Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Join us. Join us. What are you talking about? What are you all talking about? We're, we're recording a live a podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you recording now or you're about to? We are recording now. Okay. Some of the best and most interesting conversations happen between sessions in the hallways of conferences. If you attend often, you'll find yourself deep in conversation with people just as passionate as you on topics ranging from those of the talks to hobbies or dream projects. This is also a great place to learn about other developers and build lasting friendships. Harrison Owen had a great idea to capture this side effect of conferences to get the most out of these hallway conversations. We're going to introduce open space chats and then listen as I sponsor one at DevSpace this year. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I guess I'll give the update for what happened uh, while you were at this conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the time shift thing is always weird on <laughs> podcast episodes anyway. So, like last week, I did not do a whole lot. You know, did go to a friend's funeral. So, that's two funerals in, what, two weeks? And that was, you know, that was that kind of, you know, bummed me out, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of just took a break. You know, I've played some video games. I just, you know, just kind of eased up on a lot of stuff. You know, I've been struggling, you know, quite a bit since, what, the spring, I guess, you know, getting mm-hmm. stuff done. And I think I'm kind of snapping out of it, but I'm still taking it really easy. And it's, it's really nice. I don't, you know, I'm like fairly irresponsible right now. It's kind of, it's kind of good. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So how about you? Well, I spoke at DevSpace and ran two open space sessions. The conference was a lot of fun, except for Friday night. Apparently, at lunch on Friday, I ate something with onions in it. That and uh, the party that was at the hotel downstairs was playing their music so loud that I could sing along and not hear my own voice. Did you get into old man mode? Did you, like, call them and go, Listen, Sonny! Turn that rock and roll down. I waited till midnight, but literally I was on the fifth floor and this party was out on the patio and I could hear the music. Oh, yeah. Because I remember that in that hotel. Yeah. So I I, I waited till midnight and I called them like, yeah, security's over there. We've had a lot of calls complaining about it. Like, And I talked to some of the other conference attendees because it wasn't our group that was doing it. They said that they had come back from eating dinner and we're going to just hang out in the bar patio area. And they couldn't. They couldn't because they're like, it was just distortion. Like you couldn't tell what they were, what they were playing. I'm like, y'all should have come up to my room because I could hear it perfectly fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not that that would be weird. (laughs) Come hang out in my room and uh, listen to the party downstairs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Also, while I was at DevSpace, I learned about a new conference down in Huntsville coming up next May called We Rocket. It'll be May 3rd and 4th um, next year, 2019, for those of you possibly listening to this in the far future. If you're interested in speaking, this will be a great place to get started. I submitted a few talks already. Uh, The call for speakers will be open until the middle of November, so this episode should come out about a week or two before that ends. So you've got a little bit of time to put together a proposal and get it out there. Since I was at DevSpace and we're talking about open spaces, I found an ecosystem called Space for IOTs. Space is an open Internet of Things ecosystem supporting the development and distribution of innovative IoT products. Can you tell I copied that from the website? It is open to all Internet of Things creators from manufacturers and app developers to retailers and mobile carriers. The goal here is to provide a bigger, better, faster way to bring IoT products and services to the market. They even have special spaces for targeting IoT solutions to the elderly or children with specifics based on those groups. They provide services for IoT development and release, including platforms, manufacturing support, distribution, logistics, and billing. It's a really great thing. I'll have a link to their website in the show notes. 
Who's talking to us this week? We got some website feedback from Louisa Binkendorf. Uh, hello, I wondered if you had anything planned on blockchain. We can add that to our backlog of topics. Here's the thing with blockchain. Um, we can't, like, sending out emails through Mandrel and stuff that actually, like, triggers spam filters. Like, that, just the word blockchain, it kills your deliverability. So, I'd that's interesting <laughs> because a lot of people are using that. It's a spam, yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, so, Louisa, like Will said, we'll add that to our backlog. If you have a specific area that you'd like us to cover, include that with your contact information when you send an email to neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com because we've got a Complete Developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Google+. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. Check us out each week uh, on Facebook and Twitter Live where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer listener questions. Or you could join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Open space technology is a method of organizing meetings and conferences. It is a participation-driven meeting where the agenda is created by those in attendance. The idea came about from an Episcopal priest and civil rights activist named Harrison Owen in the 1980s. These meetings are self-organizing. While the sponsor selects a topic and keeps the conversation on topic, the conversation is emergent and may address many areas around the topic of conversation or may focus on a particular area depending on the people in attendance and the flow of conversation. So at DevSpace... There were three areas set aside for open spaces each session. The same thing they had last year. Not all of the spaces and sessions filled up. Uh, some were added throughout the conference. Uh, like I said earlier, I hosted two sessions, one on Lunch and Learns, and the other was sort of an open conversation where we ended up talking about conference attendance and how to inspire other people to attend. We talked a little bit about the 9 to 5 Dark Matter developers, but it, it was sort of about... How can we take what we're getting here and show the people we work with that don't go to conferences all the benefit of it? Yeah. It's, a, it's really interesting. You guys are going to get to hear that conversation. Now, throughout the session, some people joined and some left. So the people that are introducing themselves at the beginning were not the only ones participating. We had people join and some of the people that were there at the beginning had to get up and leave. So it really was like a conversation where people come and go. The group is full of speakers, sponsors, and regular conference attendees. It was really a great mix of people and captured kind of the heart of what an open space is. So we're going to stop talking and let you guys listen to it. Hey guys, I am here at DevSpace. We are in the open spaces, which is this really neat sort of hallway conversation chats that uh, people get to pick when they're here. You can post it up on the board with the time and which session. So we have six people here with us that uh, we're just going to go around. We'll start off just going around everybody, introduce yourself, talk about what you do, and anything interesting or special that you want to announce or talk about. I'm Daniel Oliver. I'm a senior software engineer at Radio Systems Corporation of Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm a Microsoft MVP, and I tie together enterprise systems, and I just have the general title, Make It Work, for Oracle eBusiness Suite, Salesforce, C-Sharp, Java, and whatever the heck else is in there. It's all archaeology. Hello, my name is Todd Merritt. I'm a senior uh, software engineer using mostly Microsoft Stack, and I'm based out of Nashville. My name is Amy Eskridge. My Twitter handle is Amy C. Eskridge. That's E-S-K-R-I-D-G-E. I'm president and CEO at Holocron Engineering. We do quantum gravity stuff. And then I'm also president and co-founder of the Institute for Exotic Science, and we do weird science stuff, including the aforementioned quantum gravity. And this is one of my co-founders right here next to me, actually. Hey, I'm Nathan. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of the Institute. I am uh, one of Amy's business partners, and we've been working on several projects, ranging from privacy and crypt uh, cryptology, all the way down to exotic physics and science. My full-time gig is um, I'm a consulting creative director, and I deliver ideas for a living. I, I love condensing things that uh, are very technical and learning how to translate them to uh, lots of people in lots of different ways. So, yeah. Hey, I'm Marsha Inslee. I'm a software engineer. I'm a 
uh, board member and founder of We Rocket Conf, which is a new technology conference coming here to Huntsville May 3rd and 4th, 2019. We're a diversity and tech conf, but we're mostly covering um, the cloud and embedded systems this year are some of our major themes, among other things. Hi, I'm Greg Beamer, currently in a VP role with a uh, healthcare services company called Atlas Lift Tech. Formerly, for the last eight to ten years, <laughs> consulting, eight years with UST Global. I'm generally the contrarian as far as the speaker, so I'm the anti-speaker. So, why don't you guys tell me what what you have gotten out of the conference so far, because we're in the afternoon on the last day. Let's hear what you guys think about it. Well, um, I just popped in today, so I've been kind of, you know, wandering around, socializing a little bit. Um, I'm not a coder myself, but um, I work with a lot of coders. I always need software written for something or other, so I'm here kind of just to uh, meet people, and I think it's been a good crowd this year. I mean, this is my first year, but it's been a really good crowd so far. There's a lot of people from out of town, good diversity of different skill sets, so it's been interesting. I say One of the things I've really liked is that um, when picking topics for the conference, they picked a lot of diverse topics. So I've been to some some very technical talks. Um, I went to to one on interviewing the other day, and that was that was really interesting. So just like there's a good range. For me, it's uh, just been a lot of great conversations with different people that I would have normally never met. Um, I actually uh, met someone that lives in Nashville. We do the we work in the similar industry. Just I would have never met him because of the conference. It's one of the reasons why I actually like going to him. So, <laughs> along with that, just meeting people's the best thing. Stayed in the hotel across the walkway, and so uh, past two nights have been nothing but just sitting out in the down the lobby and talking to people. Then I also saw uh, a topic yesterday, a talk about code reviews and about not caring about the tech stack, but about just the phrasing of whoever's doing the code review, not blaming the code, taking ownership of the code and being kind to people, having empathy. And they worked hard on that since to uh, just respect them. I would say the most exciting thing that I've seen this year is people are not only talking about what they're excited about, about a specific technology, but they're saying, how do we reach out to the community? How do we get others excited? How do we reach people at our jobs and then into the wider, the non-technical world and spread the word about that? You know, that's, that's interesting because we were having a conversation just a couple hours ago about that. You were there sitting with us um, at another open space where we were talking about lunch and learns and how to get people excited excited in our workspace because where I'm at there's two or three of us that go to conferences and that's about it. Everybody else has kind of their own other stuff going on. So what do you guys think? How do you guys get people excited and involved in beyond just the nine to five development? Well that's that's a big problem that we have I think in the industry is that we've got a lot of people who have a job in development. It's not a career. There's, I, I see three levels, and I, I've stolen this from somebody. I don't remember who the author is, but there's job, career, and calling. And you move into the career thinking when you start thinking about longer-term picture, and you start moving from a, a tactician into strategy. And generally, that's the point in time when you start going to conferences. So the people who don't go to conferences, don't show up for the lunch and learns, and all of these types of things are cheating themselves. When I moved into this, and I finally decided what I wanted to be when I grew up and it was Al Gore inventing the internet so it was an exciting time but I finally said I, I need to learn and back then I didn't have the great internet that we have today so I was spending around two to three thousand dollars in books a year and people would sit here and say you're paying fifty dollars a book is, is that book really worth fifty dollars well, if you get one idea that may be worth thousands of dollars to you because it advances you above the rest of the field. And so people who are sitting here saying, I won't spend $100, $150, $200 to go to a regional conference are just cheating themselves. Uh, one thing we've actually done at the company I work with is instead of lunch and learns, we do uh, open spaces where the company would uh, bring in food and we'd block off two hours. We'd bring the programmers, the database developers, and network engineers, and we just talk about things we're passionate about as far as technology. I mean, you might be a C-sharp developer, but you might love Ruby on Rails. There's a good chance there's someone else in that group that's going to love Ruby on Rails. So it's finding things that we can all talk about or make connections which help us grow as developers as well as grow in the company that we have because you're all working, uh, you're building relationships and you're growing together. 
so uh, Greg, back to what you were saying about those people who don't think it's a good investment of, of time or money to spend you know $100 or so to come to a regional conference, or why would you participate in Lunch and Learns? Why would you participate in a local user group? You know, that's, that's your time. Why would you waste it doing more work? I mean, yeah, I think that calls back a little bit to what you were talking about with uh, job, career, and calling. Also, you, you get this mindset, at least in my experience, when you talk to these people about, well, you know, you can learn things, you can be exposed to new technology, uh, particularly the way the internet is right now, people come back and say, well, you know, just get the videos after the fact, watch the sessions later. You know, if you're that interested in it, it's free. Before I wandered over here, I was just talking to somebody about the notion of hallway track and the connections that you make with the people after the talks, at the open spaces, people that you will run into at a conference who a couple of years later you might hire or who might hire you or might connect you with your dream job. I think that human dimension is something that I personally could do a much better job selling and we as the community could find a spin that would get those, uh, forgive the term, dark matter devs who do the stuff from nine to five and then go home that might really get them engaged if we could somehow share look at how awesome my life is because I get to do this and I've learned these things and I've been able to grow in ways that three to five years ago you could never have told me and it's because I ran into a guy and talked for an hour in the hall or talked to somebody after a talk and he said oh you should meet this other guy who does this and now my career shifted because of that. This is Amy. Um, so at the Institute for Exotic Science we do a lot of things that um have never been done before and in order to do that you really have to have the right team and in order to have the right team you have to meet just a ton of people to find the best at what you need at the skill sets that you need and um, the more conferences you go to the more people that you meet the better talent pool you're gonna have so that's a really big motivation for me to come to conferences. I've met a lot of people, you know, I went to a conference, a propulsion conference a couple weeks ago, and I met people whose papers I had been reading for the past 18 months or so. And so I got to ask them very specific questions about their papers. And so that was something that I would not have been able to do if I had stayed home. Uh, so with, with that, a uh, lot of developers I see, they go do their nine to five job, they do their work, they go home to their families. But I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is East Tennessee. It's just on the border of the Appalachian Mounds. And so it's, it's a very conservative market because I also lived in Nashville, Tennessee for a while. That's much less conservative. And the thing is that most of these companies I see, they uh, want their developer to do one thing, do it well. And it's the same thing they've done for the past 15 years. And they don't necessarily encourage or even want their developers to go to conferences and connect with other people or really uh, recognize that they have increased value. And part of that conservative thing is my uh, parents worked at the same company for years and years and years, as did most of the East Tennessee people, just go get a job, work it 20, 30 years, and that, that's the job. And if you uh, leave even any sooner than 10 years, you're a job hopper. <laughs> so it's just a lot of conservative market, and developers, they are what those companies want right now. Building on that, going to conferences, you actually get a great opportunity to make great friends. The first time I was ever at Codestock, my now friend, uh, at the, I never met him at the time, he was, we were both going to the elevator, he said, hey, what are you doing? Are you with the conference? And five years later, we still hang out, uh, BS all the time, and it's great relationships that we build here. Well, that's like Greg here. We met at DevSpace last year, found out we, we lived right near each other, so like, we see each other at at restaurants and you know at pubs all the time. Uh, microbrewery. Microbrewery, <laughs> yeah, right, right down from where we both live. So, I, it's yeah. actually ta ta tailgate is getting big enough that I think they're heading into that macro brewery to a certain of the micros. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I, I wanted to add something to this. So um, we're currently. With the company I'm with, I'm the only real tech person. We've got a person that understands some networking. And so I've been brought into all these conversations. I'm trying to steer them, but they are, they're a little gun shy. So it's taken them a while to actually start moving forward on uh, getting the team because they want to make sure they have the right mix, which that's perfectly understandable. But when I started sitting, putting things together, we're, we're working with a company now. And the problem we have in the industry is recruiters are looking at tchotchkes because everybody else is looking at tchotchkes. And so you start looking at, do you have this, 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 and this? And literally, the recruiter is going to see 
he's going to start with the people with the most check marks, especially if he if they are willing to to work cheaper than everybody else. And those become the first range of, of candidates. And what's really more important, especially as you get into your leads, and it would be nice to have everybody, is passion, um, the ability to strategize, understanding that testing is not just a test, it's about acceptability to your users. Things like your users shouldn't be catching your errors on the app. If your users are catching the error on any sort of regular basis, you, you don't have a good process. And all of those things to me are more important because I can teach you syntax. Now, if, if I want somebody short term to come in and solve a problem, like, oh, we've, we've got a problem in SQL Server, we need to move data from one to another, I may run and grab somebody who's an integration expert, SSIS or something along that lines, and I'm looking for that particular skill. But for long term, I want people that are going to blend together in a team and understand proper methodologies. And the bad thing about it is we've been talking about these things in conferences for years and yet you go into from small businesses all the way up to fortune 50 companies and a lot of the code frankly sucks yeah that <laughs> that's that's something that i've not only seen but i've heard a lot of other people complain about too yeah i think one of the benefits of um meeting strangers kind of a haphazard bumping into other humanity is the benefit of seeing what your interests are so you start chatting with somebody you know, we were just over here, uh, this little B section right behind us, uh, had to do with microprocessors. We're interested in hardware. In the process, um, we ended up chatting with someone who was putting together a mesh network for his father or grandfather's warehouse. Where we were like, oh yeah, Zigbee radio protocol. You know, like, check that out, right? And he was like, what's that? You know, and had we not bumped into him, maybe a solution was not available. And it wasn't like we bumped into him and said, all right, let's screw whoever you're working with and start our own thing, right? It was more so you learned in a very short amount of time having talked to that person that there is something they could get from you, you could get from them. And rather than it be transactional, it's it's kind of a boost in morale. Whenever I meet someone and they provide something to me and I just met them, right? Like, oh wow, I didn't know that. I feel good about my skill set and that passion that you're talking about of, of you know, feeling, feeling imbued with a desire to like do the thing that you really think you ought to be doing. It's really great to go to a conference and even get that. Um, when Amy and I met, we uh, were both out at, so Google Fiber's here in Huntsville, uh, that a big Google Fiber get together, and um, everyone's like, is it Google Fiber gonna come to my house? And they're, you know, like very like simple questions. And I raised my hand, I was like, so what are the privacy concerns about Google Fiber, you being an ISP and a data analytics company and blah, blah, blah. And like the person got on the microphone and was like, oh uh, yeah, sure gonna have to call 1-800. Uh, thank you. And I was just like, that was not an answer to my question. They just kind of brushed me off. Amy took a beeline for me and she was like, ah, oh, privacy, let's talk about that. And had I not had I not just kind of haphazardly put myself out there, um, we would never have gotten connected and worked on the things that we were passionate about. So, yeah. I think that's part of the vulnerability that comes with being a developer and meeting other developers is that you're constantly saying, this is tripping me up. Do you know anyone that deals with this on a regular basis? You know, you treat the entire development community as we treat it as our knowledge bank. We, we trust each other to know someone that knows someone and get those connections. And But that constantly requires you personally to go out and put your pain points out there and say, hey, I'm concerned about security with this and that, you know, and, and meet like-minded people. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because um, my former boss used to joke that my mentor was her unpaid senior developer. When I was a junior developer, if I had a problem and someone at the office couldn't solve it, I'd go to him. I mean, I wouldn't give him business details, but you know, we'd talk code and I'd ask questions. And she she joked, she's like, yeah, I have no problem with that because you're learning stuff that we can't provide and bringing it back to the rest of the team. So having those friends in the community and meeting people at conferences that you know you can then learn from as you go along or make those connections and go, hey, you know about, you know, .NET MVC and I don't, I want to learn something or we have an app that I have to maintain, can you help me? That kind of stuff. So how do you get people that maybe don't normally go to conferences? How do you convince them to go? Because, you know, I, I feel like we're preaching to the choir a little bit here because we're all at a conference and we all recognize the benefit of that. So how do we get people who are not at conferences to go to them? Uh, this is Todd. Uh, basically by showing the passion and the things that you learn, sh telling about the experiences, the, the connections you build, and get them excited. So they actually want to ask their, their managers, say, hey, can I take a day to go to this conference or 
go to this uh, meetup or things like that, you have to lead by example, from my experience. Yeah, uh, Nate here from the Institute. Um, so one of the things, I'm connected to the Institute, but I have a consultancy I do at letsmakestufftogether.com. I happened to meet one of the organizers, Jonathan, and he was like, man, we could really use a poster. And I said, well, well for what? And he said, oh, for this DevSpace conference. And I was like, there's a developer conference in Huntsville? I had no clue, right? And um, when he told me about how cool the conference was, about how engaged a lot of the regular attendees were, how far some people travel to get here, um, I was like, what a great sounding conference. I will totally make a poster for you for free. And, and his enthusiasm, just meeting someone who was a conference goer, right? It's infectious. And, um, and you know, the, I invited Amy. Amy is not a programmer. I'm not a programmer, but I wanted to be involved because I cared about it. I felt that passion. And Amy and I wanted to come here because it seemed like this was a really cool community to be a part of. So, yeah, it just it's, it grows on you. I would say, too, if you're at any size company and you're a developer, you know someone probably that's over your head that's your boss. So go to your boss and say, what processes do we have in place for helping people go to conferences? Because it's not just, some people legitimately cannot afford to go. And that's, um, I know DevSpace helps out with scholarship tickets and with student tickets. And there's always those options. So if you hear of them, pass it on to your networks, but also see what structures are in place with your work or push to get those structures formed so other people can go. Yeah, even if money is concerned, there's always a local meetups and user groups. Those are free, and they usually give you they usually give you dinner. So, I mean, I'm sure you could probably work out maybe an extra 20, 30 minutes to get out a little early just to go to uh, a meetup so you can learn more and make you better at your job. I it'd be hard to give me a business case where they would try to turn you down for that. Just well, my experience. It, yeah, and just in Nashville where we're located, you've got the .NET, you've got SQL Server, you've got Agile, you've got functional programming. Um, I think there's a machine learning, Azure, APIs, yeah, Angular. So I, wherever you're at it, get on Google or look at meetups.com, you know, Google your city for uh, user groups. Yeah, and to add to that, if there isn't one in your area and you're passionate about something, start one. The, that's what I was going to say, but also, there's also a developer launch pad that are run by these two really awesome guys that have a great podcast. I don't know. <laughs> So that's that's one in Nashville. It's for um, growing your career as a developer. So, <laughs> so I, I ran the Nashville.net users group in 2000 for most of 2017. And now I run the Knoxville Microsoft Azure users group. And when I ask people why they don't come, the usual thing is scheduling and location. Because as it turns out, a lot of people have long commutes, and the time is a factor. Is having like six o'clock being the traditional time in Tennessee, I think, for a meetup. That's uh, them waiting around an hour after work, spending an hour and a half at a meetup, and then spending another hour to drive home. And so by the time they get home and I get situated, it's about nine o'clock, ten o'clock on a on a Thursday night or a Tuesday night. And so it's kind of hard to justify that if they have a family and are ready to go home to them. And and what's interesting when you get into the whole user group thing is that. It, it's the same as a conference. All the things that are going on behind the scenes, going out for a beer afterwards or something along that line, and having the conversations and getting to know people. And this particular conference, um, Jim Holmes got up and spoke about some tragic things that happened in his life, but watching the developer community around uh, speakers and people that have that go to conferences and how well we become a, a family of sorts. You know, that's that's really interesting um, because I had a conversation yesterday. It's a hallway conversation, and she was telling me about how when she went through some rough times, that the other developers that she met at conferences really came together and just provided a great support group and friendship and just people being there for her. And I'm like, yeah, I, I've I've felt that in the community, going to conferences, going to meetups and meeting people like that, you meet some really awesome people. And not only that, you solve problems sometimes. Um, I came here, we were talking to a company that specializes in AWS, but they're more in the DevOps space, and they couldn't give us a, a guarantee as far as helping us get back into some instances that we didn't have the password. We have all the admin stuff, but we don't have the passwords to the machine. And looking at the articles, I could do it myself. And if they're, if they're not going to say, yes, we really know this, but just walking around here, I've already got somebody who is, is willing to throw a few hours in for free, sit down with me, run through it, and, and 
if it doesn't work, and it basically said you just buy me a beer, I'm, I'm more than happy to get him paid for it, but those are the types of things, and, and I think each and every single one of us, provided we're not going to take up all of our time and, and you know end up in the poorhouse, are willing to help each other out. To, to Greg's point, this is Brandon, I think uh, another big selling point or a way that you can really get people on board with this idea of community engagement in whatever capacity uh, is just sort of being really transparent and authentic about those things like a group of friends coming together to support somebody who's having a rough time, finding a solution to something that you're struggling with. Personally, in my experience, I don't always come back from a conference or come back from a user group with something that I hit the ground running on Monday and I fixed this problem I've been struggling with and it's magic. But that has happened. And I will sit down, I will knock something out in an hour or two as a direct result of a session that I've sat in or a direct result of one of those hour-long hallway conversations. And people will look at me and be really impressed and say, you're a wizard, how did you do the thing? And I say, oh, I picked that up over the weekend at this conference. Or, you know, somebody explained this to me and I will mention who it was or mention the context and, and it will be someone who in our community or who in tech is kind of programmer famous. Uh, you know, we're not talking household name, we're not talking Keanu Reeves, but in our space, kind of kind of Keanu Reeves. And, you know, you mentioned, oh, you know, I had a drink with him and he explained this thing to me. And like, how do you know that guy spoke at the same conference? And, you know, the, even those stories about we, we were out having drinks and we had such a good time because this and this and this you come back more energized i think from from these events i've compared them to like nerd christmas or summer camp for dorks <laughs> it, it really is yeah and the thing is you don't even have to be a speaker to be able to to meet some of the big names or to to have those oh yeah i I went and had drinks with this, you know, programmer famous. I love that term. I'm going to use that from now on. Yeah, and actually, it's a funny story. My first conference I ever went to, my first real engagement with the community, I came up in the very late 90s, very early 2000s in the Midwest. And the notion of the developer community was sort of the opposite of my experience of it now. It was, I'm going to hoard all the knowledge I've got. I fought for this. I'm not going to share any of it with you because you might get ahead of me. And I came down to the southeast, to Chattanooga, uh, finally went to a conference uh, called DevLink for the first time, and a friend that I had grown up with from the age of about eight or nine was speaking there. Uh, she's programmer famous. She speaks internationally. She's really impressive in, in that space. And through her, I met all of these different speakers and spent basically the entire time hanging out with the cool kids. And every so often, somebody looked at me, oh, so what are you speaking on? I'm just attending. I said, oh, you should really speak on this, this, or this. You've been going on about this for hours. And as an indirect result of that, I'm now helping to organize a user group, helping to organize a conference, doing some speaking. There are measurable ways in which my life is much better as a result of that. And anybody who comes up to me and says, oh, you know all these people, you do all these things, that's really neat. How did you get into it? I showed up at a conference once. So I, I think that is a really useful story to tell that, that you can tell authentically very easily. It, it gets really interesting because as you go to these conferences, you're talking about developer famous, so you start to realize that people like Hanselman and Guthrie are not unapproachable. And they will talk to anybody, and they will sit down and have a beer with anybody, uh, and have a, a very, not just necessarily a .NET, but you can actually get to, to know these people. And I have found, uh, I was formerly an MVP, and I found that through some of the people that I had reached in there, that I can still send them an email, and they will send me back. But it's not because I'm special. It's not because I know them necessarily. They actually answer their emails to people that are asking, you know, valid questions they they're they're not going to waste their their time on maybe something personal if they don't know you personally but you can ask a lot of these people from microsoft problems that you're having and when i was consulting it, we had a client that wanted something specific out of what's now azure devops and i got back answers from the team of exactly what they were doing what was going to be delayed and so i was able to sit there and say for what you need you're probably about a year off 
The other thing I like about these conferences is not only the tech stack and help with technical things, but you can go to people and say, hey, is this thing happening at my job? Is that normal? Do, do most people experience this? And, and people will say, oh, no, or, or they'll say, yeah, that's, that's pretty okay. Yeah, things, things sort of like what to expect, especially if you're just coming into the tech space or if you're starting a second career with it. It's really helpful to get that feedback from people who have been in their careers longer. Yeah conversation that Brandon and I were having earlier today some of the like I was telling him about some of the things that we're doing that I'm excited about and his responses to that of that's really awesome that you have a boss that's into that or that you get to do that kind of validated what we're doing or coming to a conference and you know going man this is so frustrating and having three or four other people say yeah we do that and it is so frustrating and just like having that kind of catharsis there just curious because i know most of us have been going to conferences for at least for a while have you guys ever experienced you guys get the feeling of like a conference high when you guys are here the excitement and then the unfortunate crash on monday when you have to go to work completely so it's a uh, as uh, brandon says it's a good summer camp for all the uh, cool kids so i'm going to touch on a couple of things that everybody said in the past couple of minutes to your point I think about meeting people where they are, not just technically, but you know, here's where I'm in my career. Here's, here are some things that I'm dealing with or things that I'm working through. Uh, have you have you run into this? How do you deal with it? And talking to people at different points in their career. Some years ago, and I cannot tell you how long ago this was, I was at Music City Code in Nashville, and there was a session on, I'm trying to be mindful and not call them soft skills, professional skills, talking about how to deal with a work environment that is not ideal and the way that you can motor through. And there were a lot of parallels, um, I think, to Ender's Game, where he sort of becomes his own hero because he realizes nobody is coming to help him, uh, particularly early on when everybody's targeting him. And in this session, I asked some questions and sort of painted myself as the villain or the guy that nobody wants to work with. As a result, at the after party, I ended up sitting and talking to somebody who was a little bit earlier in his career, who was in kind of an environment very much like one that I had been in. And I got to share with him a lot of the perspectives of, you know, I'm in a great place now. I'm in a, doing something that I love. And I grew kind of from that pain. Here's how I survived it. And years later, I think yesterday, he kind of shared with me that that might have been a little bit helpful to him at the time, which was kind of cool. Uh, Brandon's being modest. He's protecting my identity. He helped me out two and a half years ago. That was 2000, and, uh, I think it was 16, so I was 15 or 16. And so uh, Brandon helped me through an uh, interesting point in my career where I just had no idea what I was doing. And, and sort of to that point about getting the conference high and then, you know, having it maybe mellow on Monday, I have had user group and conference high for the longest time. Ever since I discovered, hey, I could go to some place where people are just as excited about this stuff as me, and I can talk to people uh, instead of going home to my wife who says, oh, how was your day? And then I've got her for 30 seconds before she enters the coma when I start talking about nerd things. I can talk to people who say, oh, what are you working on? And they get as excited as I am when I talk about it as an attendee going and listening to some of these talks, going and running into other people in the hallway and connecting with something that gets me excited that other people are even more excited about is huge. Uh, when I've started speaking recently, when people come up to me in the moments after my talk and say, Hey, this part really resonated with me. That was a really great point. I'm going to go back to work and look at this with this perspective that you've just given me. That is huge because I forget who I stole this from. Somebody said to me once, it doesn't matter if I'm giving a talk and there's one person in the room. If it is the right person and it resonates with them, it was more than worth me giving that talk because it helps move that needle. And I have given, I have given something back to the community that's given me so much. And a little bit of me is going to persist. And who knows what that person is going to go do as a result. And then I've had people come up to me a year, two years after a talk and say, hey, I was in that room. I still use some of the things that you shared and that that doesn't go away on monday that that persists for a long time for me 
Yeah, the first time I came to this conference, I, I had three speaking slots because they were having a difficult time getting enough speakers. And my third one was the last day. I, they may have been one day that, but it was the last session. And two people showed up, plus another person who I sat through her talk showed up. So we, we had three people, and the two people came in because they had a particular problem. And I said, I can sit here and... and speak or we can since nobody else is coming in it's the end of the day why don't we just focus on your problems so we essentially got into a consulting session i can tell you in user groups i had um i had recently switched to a newer version of sql server and i did i had forgotten my adapter and i didn't have an adapter that went down and nobody did that went down to the old style the old vga and so another guy tried to put it on his and and we were able to show the presentation but that one went from TFS into a, a session on Agile and, and how, how to make Agile work. And it was one of the best talks I've ever done. So sometimes things get, end up getting hijacked and they work and you allow them to do it. I think another really important part here, though, is um, mentors and, ment and mentoring people. I have met a couple of people that I've mentored. And even though I'm quite senior now, if I want to get into a certain area or I see somebody that has something or a soft skills or professional skills talk, uh, on something like emotional intelligence or, or somewhere along there, I'll ask if they are willing to, to talk to me and kind of be in a mentor role where we can get together and have a call uh, once a month or whatever and, and start talking about what I'm finding and, and how, how they can steer me. And at the same time, I do that for people that want to get into architecture. I'm more than happy to talk to somebody about how you move from tactical, solving smaller problems into this more strategic. So... Um I want to hit on a couple of things because you guys reminded me of something, something that Todd said a little bit earlier about, um, you know, if you don't have a group in your area, start one. And then on the, if you only can help, like helping one person is worth it. Um, and I'm sure Chang, having come to several of the developer launch pads, we're only, we only had a handful of people there can back me up on this. But even when, when we started and I, I've mentored other people starting groups, on this, you keep doing it because you'll have those people who come on a regular basis and you may have one or two people show up at an event and those one or two people are going to get more out of that event than if 30 people had shown up. And so it, we, we keep doing what we're doing because if we can help that one person to know what they need to know, or a lot of times it's like just sitting there talking about the job process. Like our, our group is for helping people move up in their career, and we work with a lot of people getting into the industry. So it, if just sitting there talking to them about, all right, this is what to expect in an interview or answering their questions, that can be more to someone than having a speaker come and talk to our group. So basically you're trying to focus on quality over quantity of people. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you do, sometimes you have both. Sometimes you have a lot of people and you try to give them the best quality you can. We've had meetings where we had up to about 50 people show up and it, it was wearing to try to give everybody the quality that we want to provide to our group. So uh, touching on the mentoring that you mentioned a little bit, I can point to uh, probably a handful of unofficial or occasional mentors that I've had as a result of being engaged in the community, as a result of showing up to some of these conferences, people who I still consider friends that I'm still in pretty close contact with and mostly see at Nerd Summer Camp several times a year, and who I have learned invaluable things from, incredible perspectives that I don't think I could have ever paid for. There's no way that you're going to go take a formal class and pick up some of these things uh, from these people. And personally, I've been in a position to mentor some other people that I think I can draw a direct line from my community involvement to that. See, one of my favorite things about conferences is the night before when everybody's like showing up. Now that I've got, yeah, well. <laughs> Uh, now that I, I've gotten involved with the speakers, it's like going to the speaker dinner, but just like the, the night before when everybody shows up and you're seeing friends that you've met at conferences or other conferences and you're going catching up with them. And I'm, 
I'm very social, so I like that. But that's like always one of my favorite parts about it is just running into my friends and talking to them and catching up with them. One thing too, uh, you, we always have to, to keep in mind, mentoring can, ha- can happen from anywhere, can come from anyone. Whether you're a junior developer talking to a senior or a senior talking to, to a junior, we all have different perspectives. We all have, we've all uh, worked within different contexts. We can all grow from each other. It doesn't matter where the solution comes from or the ideas. It's just, you have to be open. I've always tried to keep that in mind when I was a junior developer going up. As, as well as now I'm a senior and trying to mentor other people, you have to be willing to open, or you have to be open and be willing to listen either way. It's a two-way street. Oh, yeah. Um, I I have been told by my mentor that he purposely pointed me at things that he wanted to learn but didn't have time to. So he's like, why don't you go learn this and then come tell me about it? And that was so he could get an overview and decide if he wanted to dive deeper. Delegation of learning. I'm going to steal that. Um <laughs> And to the point that that Todd just made, mentoring can go in any direction. The person who asked me a little over a year ago if I would formally mentor them was under the impression that I had a lot that I could teach them, and that was so amusing to me. I don't think they realize how lopsided that relationship was with respect to the learning, because I feel like I took so much more away from it than I could have possibly given them. And I've been in very, very, I guess, flash mob mentoring relationships where it was one lesson. It was over the span of maybe a month and there was never a discussion. Oh, well, will you mentor me? I just inadvertently picked up amazing things. So that can go either way. And it's, it should be rewarding to both parties. And I've heard from other people in other fields that have kind of a different approach to mentoring that it doesn't seem to flow as easily for non-developers outside of this sort of community from everything I've heard. And I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it's a lack of engagement or excitement or if there's something specific to, to nerd summer camp that makes that happen. But we, we I think, are spoiled for choice with all the knowledge and opportunities that we get. I think you nailed it earlier when you said um, when you go home and talk to your wife, she's like, okay, well, whatever. (laughs) But when you're here, we're like, yeah, what? Tell us more. Like when, when you get in that mentor situation, you're basically telling someone, hey, why don't you tell me about what you're nerdy about? (laughs) Like you're really excited about this tech stack. Let me hear about it. And, you know, I don't know anyone on the planet that isn't excited to talk about something they're interested in, you know, with someone that really would like to learn it. Yeah. So so, um, my wife still doesn't know what I do uh, exactly, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. And um, she tries to describe it to people. And I just I, I got her away from he works in computers because then people think that you can fix their virus problems. What one thing that's interesting to me is seeing the shift because it used to be we still have a lot of in conferences of the the latest greatest thing and you'll have a bunch of talks on whatever like serverless is one of the big talks here but a lot more of the conferences are getting balanced and we're starting to get a little bit more into that soft skills or professional skills as brandon called it where you're dealing with the things that really are more important because once you learn a syntax you can switch to another syntax now sometimes you have to make a paradigm shift like going from old classic com and asp in the microsoft world to asp.net and then once again in mvc because even though asp.net technically is is model view controller it didn't explicitly call it out but you also learn that technology doesn't save process and human problems. You still have those problems. And so these soft skills become very important. And ultimately, to me, if you want to move up, you've ultimately got to start looking at bigger pictures. So you move from how do I, what's the best algorithm for X into more of seeing the forest rather than just the individual tree you're working on. And, and that's the point in time that your career moves on. But you almost have to get into some of the soft skills type talks or into the books and start learning a little bit more about yourself to be able to make those paradigm shifts in thinking because everybody seems to think it's all technical and that's why the recruiters have all the bullet points and they're looking to make sure everybody has xyz abc on their resume Uh, so we're talking about soft skills about things we learn all the amazing benefits we get from conferences and earlier we asked how do we get people to go to conferences well, are we bringing the benefits of the conference back to them? Are we truly bringing back 
a formal or informal mentorship relationship? Are we bringing back what we learned? Are we uh, practicing what we preach when we go back to work? If they don't see us really benefiting from it and really changing how we do things, why should they care? That's true. And um, I know we're saying soft skills. I think we talked earlier about how the term soft skills is almost uselessly generic because it means everything not technical. So you have communication, you have productivity, you have work-life balance. Um, so those are some of the things that we, if you guys aren't, uh, if someone is listening that's not aware of what that means, that's kind of how it breaks out. But something that helps me the most at conferences is when I read between the lines and I see, how does this person approach a problem? How does this senior developer think about approaching a problem that they've never seen before. That's something that's really useful for new developers to learn is just the, a framework for approaching new software problems. One thing too, sorry to jump back to, to Brenda's point about the mentorship and how other industries or other areas, the, the mentoring isn't the same two-way street. I think it could be because as technologists, we're passionate about what we do. We love sharing, we love learning, and that could be maybe the big reason why we do this as opposed to others and struggling with mentoring and things like that. It's just the passion behind what we do and willingness to share and grow because when we mentor we grow ourselves as well. Yeah, I, th I think you learn just speaking, you learn more preparing your talks or writing books or any of these types of things. And as far as the comment you were talking about where what do we bring back, <laughs> unfortunately I think a lot of times in IT they're at the point in time when they realize that the conference paid off for you is because you just got a, an extra $20,000 in another job somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, um, I know with, uh, with where I work, talking about bringing it back, we... Um, when they let us count it as training, we have to come back and do a knowledge transfer or like a dev chat on something we learned. My first time doing that, I ended up pulling three talks out of the stuff that I got back from the conference. And it's actually changed some of the way that we, we structure and develop our code. So it's really cool. That, that reminded me just as we were talking about what do we bring back? How do we kind of live or show the benefits of, of what we're getting from these conference experiences. I think I've accidentally done that a couple of times, you know, have a hallway conversation at work or at lunch with somebody where I had just come back from speaking somewhere and I said, Oh yeah, I gave this talk. I was stressed about it, but it went really well. And so I'm still pretty, pretty buzzed about that. People seem to receive it well. And somebody said to me, I could never do that. There's nothing that I know, there's no perspective that I have that a room full of people would want to hear about. And I just offhandedly, and didn't remember this until much later, said something along the lines of, you sound like me five years ago, that's exactly where I was, and I'm going to tell you what other people have told me. You know, whatever you're excited about, whatever you're really interested in, it's going to be somebody's first time hearing about it. Somebody's been working on it and doesn't have the, the approach that you do or the, or the perspective that you do, that's going to be useful to someone. A year later, uh, he was in a different job. The guy comes back to me and says, yeah, so I've spoken at three different places and I'm going somewhere else uh, in a month to speak on this. And I blame that on you. <laughs> I, it, it, was, it was less intentional and more conversational of, oh, yeah, I went through that too. And then he comes back and there you have it. So, Yeah, to add to that, one of the first conferences I went to was Codestock uh, probably about four or five years ago. I was sitting in a talk by, I believe his name is Leon, Leon Gershing, Ruby Buddha on Twitter. He talked about putting yourself out there and be willing to fail. Fail fast, but be willing to fail because when you fail, you, you learn from it and you can move forward and you grow the most by failure. I mean, if you, if you succeed, what have you really learned? You haven't really learned much. But if you go back and look at your failures and see where you've grown and how you've grown, you can, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. That's one reason, because of that talk right there is one reason why I actually started, uh, I, I did, I've done some teaching at the college level as well as I've started speaking recently. Yeah, that idea of putting yourself out there, again, I don't remember who I stole this from, but I picked up this idea years ago of learning out loud. So, you know, when you're blogging, when you're working on open source anything, when you're going to conferences, you're out there 
being being vulnerable, I think you mentioned a little bit of that vulnerability earlier. You're showing that your work in progress, you're still learning this stuff. I can't tell you how many sessions I've sat in where someone has opened up, done the intro and said, I'm not an expert in this. I don't do this all day long, but I'm really excited about this and this is really cool. And that that I think helps make everything more accessible, makes the attendees or the people just coming into the community feel feel like that could be me. I'm really excited about some stuff. I'm still learning things. Nobody cares. This was still a really great talk. So I think there's a lot of value in that and not trying to be perfect out of the gate because the people that we see as perfect who are programmer famous, who are super impressive to us, are also a work in progress. We have to remember, they didn't get that way overnight. That's, there's, there's a long journey for that. Exactly. Uh, somebody once said to me, uh, this overnight success that I had with this project or with this company, it only took me like five years. Yeah, I've, I've had several conversations with, with people talking about how, how they see other people and they think, oh, well, they just, they're just successful. It's like, no, you don't see the work behind it, the work involved, until you try to become that. I, I always like watching sports just because, for example, in basketball, I'm thinking about like Kobe Bryant. I think once someone quoted like something like, I missed 10 shots, I'll just take the next shot. And it, like if a sports superstar is not afraid to fail, you know, all the burdens on him, he's probably more, much more at stake than, than me. And I, I, I can probably afford a couple of failures and not, not having to worry about embarrass myself. And I think this is like one of the mentality of software development overall is the craftsmanship mentality. And you have to fail to become a craftsman anyway. Like if you are a baseball player, you got to take a lot of swings where just tons of strikeouts before you eventually become good. If, if you're smart about it, you, you learn from... And, and you're not going to be able to do this all the time, but you learn from people who've already made the same mistake, and you, you learn not to repeat their mistakes. So you go out and you, you search it. I've worked with other cultures, and I've, I've seen how some cultures just try to find who to beat up when you have something go wrong. And I've led teams and have had to deal with that mentality that when you're wrong, you, you need to be beat up. And they would it, it shocks them when you sit here and it, I don't care why it happened. I, I, so much as what are we going to do to fix it and what did you learn and as long as somebody can tell me what they learned i know that now i've got a better developer out of it and so that that's all part of that team mentality getting the right team together is realizing that you're not going to do everything right the first time and i i I wish more organizations would build refactoring time into their normal day-to-day development so we could fix these because we have so much technical debt in most of our stacks because we're never given time to go back and refactor it out from what we've learned. If I, I, somebody said, um, how, how do you know that you're progressing in, in coding and everything else? And I said, if I ever get to a point that I look at code I did a year ago and said, I wouldn't change a thing, I need to retire immediately because one of two things has happened. Either I've become an idiot or I've become so good that I need to leave on a high note. <laughs> Speaking of leaving, that that is like the perfect close for uh, for the session. That that was that was good. Yeah, uh, uh, what is it uh, from Highlander? The the Kurgan says it's better to burn out than fade away. So we're going to burn out right here. <laughs> I want to thank you guys um, for for coming and uh, and joining us in this uh, little experiment. Open spaces are a way for conferences to add more value and specifically address the interests of the attendees um, more so than just what's chosen by the speakers. Anyone can sponsor a session, and topics don't have to be around technology. As we mentioned earlier, at DevSpace, there were sessions about martial arts, foster parenting, and of course, a very popular one, beer. (laughs) Both crafting it and drinking it and things like that. They're also a great way to meet other developers with similar interests. If you aren't comfortable as the center of attention, such as with speaking, but you have something that you want to talk about and share, hosting an open space can provide that in an informal, friendly manner. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, we talked about the, um, you know, kind of loose organization that an open space is. And, you know, that's good, right? Like you should be able to, to do that during the conference. Um, 
that said, as far as like the rest of the conference stuff, you do need to plan ahead a little bit, particularly uh, in regards to like things like your sleep, having enough money on on you, having enough time, what things you're going to go to that are actually the formal things. And one thing I've learned to do, too, is plan ahead for dealing with the whole introvert hangover. Because, you know, I get back from a conference and I don't want to talk to anybody for like three or four days. You know, obviously, I don't need to be lined up to do something social right after I get back. You know, if you got those tendencies, do plan ahead. Be intelligent about this. Like, this is how you squeeze the value out is, is part of it is being not planning, you know, planning ahead for, for stuff that is kind of open-ended and, you know, free-flowing, but plan ahead for the stuff that isn't. So that's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.